celebrate the birth of Christ, if you look on a little grander scale, um, did you know that the world's largest Santa Claus ski event takes place in Crested Butte, Colorado? Everybody dresses up in a Santa outfit and skis. Um, in Louisiana, families along the Mississippi River light bonfires to make sure that Papa Noel doesn't get lost. In Massachusetts, where's Greg? I'd like that. Oh, okay. That's right. We have a, a Bostonian, no, not a Massachusettsian here, whatever they're called. In Massachusetts, active Bostonians put on their ugly Christmas sweaters and participate in an ugly sweater run. Seems like it get kind of warm unless it was. On a more personal level, we decorate our homes inside and out. We watch football games. We travel halfway across the country to be with family. Pray for us. That's what we're doing after church today. We buy presents many of us cannot afford and spend much of the next year paying off. We make a lot of stuff that's not good for us and eat a lot of stuff that's not good for us. Yeah, exactly what we do. Did a little of that this morning already. Um, Jesus' birthday has evolved into one in which most of us come to his party bringing gifts to exchange with each other. You ever thought about that? Can you imagine inviting friends to your birthday party and they ignore you and exchange gifts with one another? <laughs> We have an invitation this year to Christ's own birthday celebration. Don't leave him in the manger. He left the cradle long ago for the cross, and now he wears a crown. This is the birthday of a king that we celebrate this Christmas. And there's some things we need to remember. And the first one is this. At Christmas, it is the birth of the Messiah. The reason I had... Um, Gail, read that passage from Matthew, where it talks about Jesus Christ. If, if you read that in other versions, it says Jesus the Messiah. Um, in, in Christ is the, is the Greek word for anointed. Messiah is the Hebrew word for anointed or the anointed one. Christmas is the birth of the Messiah. He was the most unusual birth ever recorded. And not because he was born in a stable, but because he was virgin born. And then the angel announced that he was born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. First and foremost, Jesus is Savior. He came to seek and save those who were lost. You know, uh, if you read farther into the New Testament, in the book of John, Andrew, who became one of Jesus' disciples, after first meeting with Jesus, it says in John chapter 1, verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is, the Christ. The one long expected. We found him. After asking his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In conversation with Martha, before raising Lazarus from the dead, 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And her response was, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And then if you read the, the uh, Gospel of John, at the very end, John tells us why he wrote that Gospel. And here's what he says in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Son of God, and by believing him, you may have life in his name. So, the long-expected one, the ones that especially the Jews of Israel had been waiting for, had finally come. And, and, and there were some who actually recognized that. Jesus the Messiah. Christmas is the birth of the Messiah. But more than that, he is Lord. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, we made reference to that when, when the scripture was read for the Christ candle this morning. It, it says, in, being, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you hear that? Jesus is Lord. Let me tell you something. This, this is talking about a time in the future when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be a point when even those who deny Christ, said he didn't exist, says, said he wasn't who he said he was, will have to bow before him and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Folks, I'd rather do it by choice in this life and then do it gladly in heaven someday when I see him face to face. In Revelation... Chapter 17, verse 14, it says, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb, speaking of Jesus, will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Then in Revelation 19, verse 16, it says, On his robe, again speaking of Jesus, and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who came at Christmas time. Jesus the Messiah, Lord of lords, King of kings. Christmas is also the birth of a message. Christmas is a birth of the message. It's the good news. It's the gospel. You know, the, in fact, good news, or, or what we read as gospel, is derived from the Greek word for evangelism, to share that good news. This word is most commonly seen in the New Testament as the word gospel. That's how we read it over and over again. The birth of Christ is the birth of a message that is, like the angels said to the shepherds, for all people. We see that reinforced in John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world, all people, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. It is the good news that we can be forgiven, have a brand new beginning, and be made clean. It is the good news that we have been forgiven, that we who have been forgiven have the promise of eternal life. Yes, we shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And here's the thing about good news. Here's the thing about the gospel. Because it is good, it is something that we should be eager to share. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The light of Christ is to shine from our lives, especially at this Christmas season. Folks, we live in a world where our culture has turned into something that it was never intended to be. Jesus has, in many ways, been kicked out of Christmas. But we need to bring him back in. And we don't do that by protesting in the streets. We do that by living the life, sharing the good news, and loving people the way Jesus loved them. Let's let our light shine this Christmas. Jesus, no peace. 
No Jesus, no peace. And then Christmas is the birth of a movement. Think about it. Here we are, 2,000 plus years later, and several thousand miles removed from Bethlehem. Yet we are part of a worldwide movement called the, the church. And the scripture tells us that the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against us. God has always had a people. And he still does have a people. No matter where you go. You know, I love the church. The church is in many ways my life. So don't give up on the church. Some have done that. Some who are Christians have done that because of hurt they've experienced or their problem with organized religion or what they perceive as hypocrisy. They have given up on the church. And honestly, I understand those things in people's lives, but I have difficulty justifying that thinking with what Scripture says. We are told that Christ is the head of the church and that the church itself is his body. Which raises the question in my mind, how can you love the head but not love the body? Or how can you love the head and ignore the body? Mm -hmm. I cannot find anywhere in scripture where we're given permission to take that stance or that attitude. In fact, the scriptures seem to indicate the very opposite. Speaking of Jesus, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, which was the church of his day, as was his custom. If you look at that same verse in the New Century Version, it says Jesus traveled to Nazareth where he grew up, on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as he always did and stood up to read. And then farther into the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And let me clarify something right there. Some were not in the habit of meeting together. The problem here was some were getting into the habit of not meeting together. It was a given that you met together. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that was written about 2,000 years ago, so the day's even closer. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me read that again in the New Century Version. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. Excuse me, do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day approaching. And because people are the church, then we know that the church is not perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a part of it. That makes me perfect right there. God certainly knows that. He knew that when he birthed the church through the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. He knew that. He knew the church would have problems. He knew the denominations would have theological differences. He knew that we wouldn't always agree on how to accomplish our mission. 
He knew that there would be issues over music. He knew that people in church, in the church, including pastors, would sometimes cause hurt. He knew all that. But the church is still God's plan A for reaching the world, and there is no other. He doesn't give us a plan. And God's intent was that all Christ followers be part of his church. See, the church is not some nebulous group of people out there somewhere that love Jesus. When the apostles wrote the New Testament epistles, they were writing to groups of Christians in specific communities who gathered together as the church for fellowship, teaching, preaching, and praise. The church is the gathering of God's people. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. His intent was that now, through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he's accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through the church. Christ has started a movement that will continue continue until he returns. Not to Bethlehem as a babe in a manger, but to Jerusalem as a concrete king. That's the second advent that we who are looking forward to Christ's return anticipate. This is the birthday of King Jesus that we celebrate today and tomorrow. And the very best gift you can give him is the gift of your life in total surrender. Recognize that he is Messiah. Believe his message. Join his mission. His mission. Commit yourself to his truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you, first of all, for the gift of your son Jesus. And we recognize today, especially in retrospect, I know that those who lived in Jesus' time didn't always have it. Thank you.